This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Western North Carolina. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, the 19th day of January 2024. Appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us this morning. It is the uh, weekend of the NFL Divisional Round Playoffs. Um, some great games this weekend. Should be interesting to see how they shake out. We're going to have Dan Zampano coming up here uh, in seven or eight minutes to talk about those games. We actually taped the interview. with Dan was not available this morning, so we taped the interview last night. Um, but he'll be coming up here in a few minutes, so uh, we'll look forward to hearing what he has to say. Uh, one interesting note. Uh, This came down overnight. Bill O'Brien, the offensive coordinator from the Patriots, is going to be leaving the team. He still had a year left on his contract, so now Gerard Mayo, the the new head coach of the Patriots, is going to have to find a new offensive coordinator as he is heading to be the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. And this, you know, look, I find this kind of interesting. Um, And I know the NFL and college football are obviously very different. But the Patriots' offense was terrible, right? I mean, they they were awful. They were they only averaged thirteen point nine points a game. Uh, their turnover margin was gross. Their quarterback play got worse. Mac Jones got worse, if that was possible. Um, you know, so it wasn't like he had this great season with the Patriots. Now, maybe you know, look, O'Brien had success with Alabama. Maybe he's better suited for college football. Um, but uh, he will be leaving. He's the first one of uh, Bill Belichick's assistants that are still on staff to jump ship. You would think when Bill leaves, he'll probably take a couple with him. You know, it's interesting. He's got his son on staff there. It'd be interesting to see what he decides to do. Um, But uh, Bill O'Brien is headed to Ohio State to become their new offensive coordinator. Uh, The Boston Bruins last night thumped a very, very good Colorado Avalanche team. That Avalanche team was uh, second or third in the NHL in points this year, and the Bruins just absolutely drubbed them last night. 5-2. to two. David Pasternak with the hat trick. Uh, he scored the first goal of the game, and then he scored the fourth and fifth. The last one, he completed the power play on an empty netter with uh, 22 seconds left. But the Bruins are absolutely on fire right now. And Jeremy Swayman, who has had to step in and play the bulk of the minutes because Lena Zulmark has been hurt. Swayman last night uh, faced 32 shots, made 30 saves, uh, picks up his 14th win of the season. Look, this is a guy that had to go to salary arbitration this year to get a contract from the Bruins. Uh, I think some of that was because the Bruins were up against the salary cap, so they didn't have a lot of flexibility as far as – uh, payroll goes, but he is setting himself up to get one 
heck of a raise this year. He will be the uh, uh, one of the goalies in the All-Star game this year, his first All-Star game appearance. But the Bruins are seriously playing some of their best hockey. They are 14-3-3 at home right now. They sit on top of the Eastern Conference with 63 points. Their next closest uh, competitors would be uh, Florida uh, with 58 and the New York Rangers with 58. In the Western Conference, uh, Vancouver has 64, so they top the NHL right now. Winnipeg just behind the Bruins. Winnipeg with 62 points and Colorado with uh, with the 61. So a great, great win uh, for the Boston Bruins last night. And uh, they will play again on Saturday, uh, five-game homestand, and they will play the Montreal Canadiens on Saturday. The Canadiens are a 500 team right now. The way the Bruins are playing, I think I, if I'm the Canadiens, I'm a little bit worried coming into TD Garden uh, on Saturday. Uh, Hall of Fame for the for Major League Baseball. Those announcements are coming up on Tuesday. We will find out who gets in. Uh, a couple of guys that uh, carried over from last year that were close. But one guy that looks like he is going to be a lock to get in. Adrian Beltre, former Red Sox third baseman, of course spent most of his time with the Texas Rangers. Um, they uh, Ryan Thibodeau has a Hall of Fame ballot tracker. So the members of the media that vote for the Hall of Fame aren't required to disclose their ballots. But Ryan Thibodeau started this thing uh, trying to get people to send them his, their ballots so that he could kind of keep track. And 177 ballots have been sent to him. And according to that tracker, Adrian Beltre has been named on 98.9% of those 177 ballots. Now, those 177 ballots are just under half. But if he's been named on 90, almost 99% of those half of the ballots, he's getting in. And he should get in uh, in the first ballot. He, look, he, the guy hit uh, 286 for his career, had almost 3,200 hits, which is 18th all time, 1,700 RBIs, and one of the best, one of the best defensive third basemen in the history of baseball. So he should get in. Um, of course, A-Rod is still on the ballot, and is, if he gets in, I may not watch baseball again. I, I, I'm lying. I'm going to watch baseball. But uh, Alex Rodriguez, who failed drug tests, has no business getting in. Um, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see um, if some of the holdovers like Carlos Beltran gets in. Beltran only on his second year in the ballot, but this is a guy that got caught up in that cheating scandal in Houston. Now, it had nothing to do with his playing days, but you wonder if that is going to taint uh, his chances of getting in. I thought he was a, a borderline Hall of Famer to begin with, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Uh, Gary Sheffield, his last year on the ballot, and uh, he was around 60% last year. Uh, and you got to get 75. It'd be a big jump. I'm not sure he's going to make it. Um, you know, and it's and it's arguable whether he should or shouldn't. Andrew Jones, another guy that's been on the ballot for a few years. Andrew Jones, a great defensive center fielder for the Atlanta Braves. Also a guy that for a period of four or five years was one of the best offensive players in baseball. The problem with Andrew Jones, as we see with a lot of players, you know, they have these peak years and then they completely disappear. Look, it's one of the things that hurt Jim Rice uh, from the Red Sox trying to get into the Hall of Fame. He was one of the most feared hitters in baseball for, you know, six, seven, eight years. The problem was is Jim's last three or four years in baseball, 
you know, his production tailed off and, and he was having trouble catching up to the fastball. And um, I think that's why it took him so long uh, to get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think if he doesn't have that, that big drop-off, he probably is a first-ballot guy. Uh, but anyway, so it looks like Adrian Beltre is going to get in, but we'll have the announcement on Tuesday, and uh, we'll be able to talk about it on the air uh, coming up on Wednesday. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano is going to join us. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call, and as we are every Friday, we are pleased to be Dan by Z- Dan- <laughs> Wow, by Dan Zampano. Woof. <laughs> Well, listen, we're taping this on a Thursday afternoon. Dan uh, is not going to be available on Friday, so we're taping this Thursday afternoon. So I think I'm I'm a little out of sorts. Dan, uh, let me start by saying I don't know if I can ever remember a worst wild card weekend than we just witnessed last weekend. One game that was compelling. That was it. Yeah, uh, very disappointing, I must say. And I, and I will say this, you know, it was maybe the first time in a long time that I had, what, three or four games that I didn't fully watch. Right. I mean, you know, it was very it was very surprising. Some surprises, like there was a couple where I said, okay, this game's going to be close. I thought the Houston-Cleveland game would come down to the wire. Oof. It absolutely <laughs> did not. I thought, I thought the Rams-Lions game was going to come down to the wire. It did, so that was a, that was a plus. Um, but the other games, I thought the Steelers would be more competitive, but man, they were they were so scared uh, to do anything offensively. Uh, and you know, the, the other game, I mean, one I just absolutely nailed and correctly, and we won't even get into it because you know I don't want to I don't want to make you feel bad. Well, no, it's so fine. I, and, knock knock and yourself my, out. And, and, hey, hey, fire the cannons. That's all yeah, I can. Say. I mean, fire that was cannons. that was. Uh, I was thinking about you during the game. Actually, I was thinking more about your wife because. You know, her entire family are Eagles fans, and I almost texted you for a wellness check to make sure she was okay. <laughs> she was not happy, but she the reason why she wasn't happy was because I happened a few years ago to go to a Bucks playoff game when Brady was there, and so I broke out the the T-shirt and the necklace and the and the flag oh, that I had no. from that game. Oh, no. And, she, and, and I went and picked her up during the snowstorm that we had here, and she was like, you can walk home. Like she was not, she was not happy, and she was not a happy camper. About two quarters in, she was she was pretty much ready for it to be over. I, I hope you I hope you buried that flag when they got up by a a, a bunch and and didn't keep poking the bear. Yeah, uh, it's it's somewhere. It's somewhere. Around. <laughs> I, I just had to put it away. She she's gonna find that thing and burn it. All right, before before we get <laughs> before we get to uh, some of the things about last week and then we get to this week's games, uh, let's start off with. Uh, the coaching carousel that hasn't actually really begun uh, in earnest yet, uh, but uh, of note for New England fans, Bill Belichick is going to have his second interview with the Atlanta Falcons. And I got to tell you, Dan, when uh, when we first were talking about where he was going to go, I think you might have mentioned Atlanta at some point, but that was like one of the last places I thought he would go. And it looks like it's becoming more and more evident he's become uh, their top target. Uh, without question, I, I thought that for the last few weeks they have been ruminating as a team that might be really looking to push for Belichick if they fired Arthur Smith, and of course they did, and of course they want Belichick running the organization, and it's not just the coach, it's the right. organization like we talked about. Terry Fontenot to me is a lame duck GM. I mean, he's sitting there at the behest of whatever Belichick would want if they were involved and if he survives it. Right. So to me, I, I think at 
at this point, um, my likelihood that he would even be there as a general manager is probably pretty low, and there'd be some operations. Who knows? I mean, if Belichick gets hired, maybe he poaches some old Patriots. Maybe he right. poaches, like, maybe a Mac Rowe yep. comes over from New England and, and joins him down there. Like, you know, the possibilities are endless with that. But I think that that's probably important to Belichick is not only does he have to be able to coach the team, the team has to let him run the football operations or at least have his people run the football operations. And I'm sure nobody's making a financial commitment like Arthur Blank is right. in the situation. Right. Well, I mean, and I guess the other part about it is, is that, you know, Arthur Blank does kind of have a history of giving his coaches a lot of latitude. And I mean, that's kind of what Bill's used to. So, I mean, I guess it would, it might be, it might be one of the more, it might be the most comfortable move for him. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I it's, it's an interesting move just because you wouldn't think of it when I know a lot of people had Washington on the brain because yeah. that's where Bill is from in Maryland, and I know a lot of people had have the Chargers, and it sounds like sounds like they really are trying to push for Jim Harbaugh. Yep. I'm not sure if they want to give up that money for Belichick, but if they're going to give it up for Harbaugh, you know, you, you never know. But uh, it, it's a very interesting market, and I, I don't think it's over. I think there could be another team involved. Um, you know, whether it's one of those two teams, sure, fine. But maybe there's a maybe there's a surprise that we don't know about. We do know Seattle is also with an open coaching job. So, right. you know, we'll, we'll see. Tennessee's got to make a decision. I don't think they would hire Belichick after firing Brable. It's just not the direction they would want to go. So, um, yeah, we'll see. There's there's an interesting group. It, it seems like it's down to Washington, the Chargers. And Atlanta is is the is probably the favorite at this point. Well, of course, after last week's Dallas debacle, the rumors started immediately about maybe build a Dallas, and then surprisingly, Jerry Jones decided to keep Mike McCarthy on. And there's two ways to look at this. They had a great regular season, right? They got the bad Dak Prescott in that playoff game, right? I mean, he he was not great, um, and. The other part of it is, is on the other side is, maybe that's part of the problem with the Cowboys, is Jerry Jones is too hesitant to make a move. Um, maybe. I think Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones talks as if he wants, you know, he'd sell his soul for a Super Bowl and right. things that he's said before. And, <laughs> right. You know, this, that, and the other. But Jerry Jones is also in his 80s. Right. Um, so, you know, at this point, you would think desperation might kick in, but maybe there's a maybe there's a thought of, I'm too old to deal with all this change. we got to move all these pieces around. The, like it or not, the Cowboys do have a really good personnel department. Yeah. Um, the person, they, they pick a lot of good players in the draft. They, they make a lot of moves. They pay their players really well, and they don't overpay for bad players. You know, yeah. I, you could argue the Dak contract. Sure, you could argue that, absolutely. But Dak had maybe his best year he's ever had this year. Right. So, you know, I, I think McCarthy, going into that game, you have to look at it in the mirror and say, were we prepared or were we not? And this has been a pattern in the playoffs. Right. That they have not been prepared as favorites at home again for, for a playoff game. Right. And that's where the crux lies with me is saying, Okay, maybe maybe it would be difficult to move on from McCarthy because he does just go by what 
the, the front office will put in front of him. He's not going to want to run the whole organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, who's to say that there's not somebody out there that, that could do what McCarthy's doing and he unlock even more potential to to what the Cowboys are? I think really what the downfall of the Cowboys on the personnel side is their defense. I mean, I don't think their defense was really that good at all the last half of the season coming down to the fact that they couldn't stop the run. Their defensive line was small. The linebackers, they don't have any. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had good guys in the back end, but, I mean, if you can't stop the run, that's how Green Bay just punched them right in the mouth in the first quarter with Aaron Jones, heavy dose of it. Right. So, you know, I, I just think that I, I, if it was me, I think McCarthy probably should have been let go. But at the same time, I can understand, you know, okay, it's hard for me to reconcile that, though, because are you serious about winning a Super Bowl? Like, again, we have to ask ourselves the question, who are we replacing this guy with? Right. And the options are good options, Yes. but are those options conducive to the organization? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, the uh, Some of the other teams that lost uh, in the first week of the playoffs, there were questions about Mike Tomlin. He has he has squashed that. He is planning on being back in Pittsburgh uh, next year, uh-huh. um, I never thought it was that it was really serious that that he would leave. Did you? Uh, I thought there were maybe some rumblings, but he does have only one year left on his contract, right? So you know, I, if you're Pittsburgh, I get that Pittsburgh organizationally, like they don't fire guys, like they, they let them go for a long time. Mike Tomlin has been the Pittsburgh head coach since 2007. They keep winning, though. I mean, they keep a, winning. Do they? Do what? they? Are they just? Are they winning? Like they won a Super Bowl. They went to another Super Bowl. Right. They haven't been to an AFC title game since 2016. Um, you know, it's been a long while since the Steelers have really done anything serious. They they make playoffs, sure, right. but right. so do the Cowboys. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. well, what are we fair. talking about? Right, that's fair, that's fair. Okay. You know, how, how much longer are you going to let that go and, and say, okay, you know, do we need an organizational change at the top, or is it a personnel thing? Yeah. To me, obviously, the Steelers don't have the personnel. They need a quarterback. You know, they have good players, but they need a quarterback. Yeah. That's exactly right. They yeah. just have not figured out the quarterback since Ben is left. Yeah. I you know I I I I I really didn't think he would leave, but we'll see what they want to do with the quarterback. I st- I cannot believe that Mason Rudolph is going to be their quarterback next year. I cannot believe that. I gotta th- you know. Well, I mean, think Gene Gene, what was their plan? I mean, did they have a plan? Was I know. I don't think they did. Talked about the Patriots. <laughs> the Patriots did not have a plan after Brady. Right. They really didn't have a plan after after Roethlisberger. They didn't have it, and then they went out and drafted the best of a bad draft in right. Kenny Pickett. Right. So, you know, what can you say? Yeah. Well, uh, other one that I still think he's on the hot seat, but you you think maybe not. Um, I still would not be shocked. You would be shocked, but I wouldn't be shocked if, if Nick Sirianni got let go. Look, uh, the way that they lost, that they collapsed at the end of the season, it was epic. Really, I mean, right? I mean, it was an epic collapse. He has to take epic, some. Yep. He has to take some responsibility with uh, that. Look, I know that you know. You talked about it, that it's a leadership issue, and if one of your players isn't stepping up to be that leader, then your head coach damn sure has to. And you know, Jeffrey Lurie's got a. He's not afraid to fire somebody. Remember Doug Peterson uh, after he won the Super Bowl. A couple of years after he won a Super Bowl, he got let go. So 
it would not surprise me. I mean, I know you said it would you, but it would not shock me. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't see him. You, you, I don't see him having multiple ten win seasons, having his team in the playoffs every year he's been the coach, having been to a Super Bowl, right? Um, you know, and with the players that they have and the and the cohesion that they have offensively, um, they obviously need. A, I think there'll be some changes. There's yep. no question, but they also will have. They've also had a succession plan. They've built. They've built the line. They've they've drafted players ready to replace Kelsey, who sounds like he's going to retire. They they do need to still probably get an injection of youth on the defensive line, which they've added in the draft. You know they've have they have a lot of young guys coming up that are going to have to take the leap. Um, but furthermore, I, I think there's really that you have to figure out exactly, you know, as a team how you prepare for games going forward, like. The Eagles seemed like they were they were kind of resting a lot of guys during the regular season in practicing, so that they could maintain during the game. And it's a long season. I, I get that. Uh, and they played they played almost twenty games last year. Mm-hmm. But you know you need to practice hard. Yeah, that's you need to figure out what's wrong with your football team. You need to use the first. This is what I love about Belichick. I told you about this. I texted you this. Bill always used the first eight weeks to figure out what was wrong with his team. Right. No matter how good they were. Yep. And then the last eight weeks, we learned how to fix it and what we need to do to play at the highest level to make a Super Bowl. Right. And that's all you can ask for. Then you go one one game. Then you got one game there. You know, you make the Super Bowl, you got one day to just be good, and that's it. Um, So, you know, we've talked about that, and I don't think the Eagles did a very good job of that. I thought that they didn't do a very good job of leadership, but I also thought that they didn't do a very good job of preparing their team in the second half of the season to what teams were going to adjust to them. Uh, so that's something that they got to figure out as an organization, and I think it starts defensively and making a change. Um, Cleveland, I mean, uh, Cleveland's already started. They've already started firing a bunch of assistants, and they're going to look to, it looks yeah, like, that? restructure that staff. But um, I think the big question they have to have going forward is, again, you know, and I guess they don't have a choice because they're locked into their quarterback for so much money, and they gave away so much for him. But when when you can have a 38 year old come off his couch and do uh, what Joe Flacco did, and I, I realize that he had a really bad playoff game, but at the same time, when when you can have that kind of success with a 38 year old, you know they've got to seriously look at 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 their personnel going forward. I mean, look, you know. I mean, I just don't. I just don't. I didn't understand what happened here. Their defense was so good all year, and then all of a sudden, I mean, was it just that Houston was having one of those games, or or did is, is with the injuries catching up to him? What was the problem? I don't think the Cleveland was very good in the back end. Okay, I, I really don't. I I think that they had some good players there. Yep. But they had Denzel Ward and guys like that. Yep. Um, and they tried to address that with Juan Thornhill, but they, I don't think that they were very. Uh, I don't think that they were very talented back there uh, for the most part. And I think really you look at, you look at why the offensive coaches were fired, right? I mean, yes, Flacco had a great year. Um, But like you said, you're committed to Deshaun Watson. Like you need to figure out why and how we fix the issue with him. Right. And, and don't forget Gene. at the same time, they were one of the most injury injured teams in the league offensively. They lost Nick Chubb. 
They lost Joe Petonio. They lost Jedrick Wills. They lost two of their best offensive linemen on a great line. Right. And they lost one of the best running backs in football early in the season. Right. So, you know, there is something to be said about that. I think you go in a new direction. I think Stefanski's right. He's got to figure out the new direction of his offense to make it so that Deshaun Watson can be the focal point of it and, and, and get him back into play action and rhythm timing and, and do what he can do. And maybe, hey, maybe he brings in Bill O'Brien. You know, okay. you never know. If Bill okay. O'Brien's let go and they, and they reunite that and, right. and try, to, try to fix it. But it's weird because Kevin Stefanski is the guy that runs the offense. Right. So, uh, you know, you, you don't really need an offensive coordinator per se. You just need a you need a new kind of staff where the direction is, is different. You could see Stefanski. I think will change what he does offensively going forward. I think with this new staff. Well, let's segue. You mentioned uh, Bill O'Brien. Let's segue into the Patriots. Uh, Gerard Mayo had his first uh, press conference. Uh, the first thing you noticed is, and he came right out and said it, I'm not Bill. And the tone of the press conference was completely different. I mean, he, he was, you know, he was cracking jokes. Uh, you know, he had the ready smile. Um, but there was, to me, he, he said a lot of good things, but there was a lack of substance here. It's almost like they're not sure Agreed. what their plan is going to be. What are they going to do about offensive defensive coordinators? What are they going to do about playoff per, or, or uh, football personnel? I mean, Kraft and Mayo both were kind of like humana, humana, humana. They didn't give you a lot of meat at that press conference. We learned absolutely nothing. Yeah, other than he could tell a I joke. Mean, it, it, it was almost frustrating, yeah. you know, uh, you know, at, at this point. And, and it was awkward at points, too. I mean, there were points where, where Gerard had said, I needed a break from Bill to make a joke, and it was like, ha, ah, ah. ha. Yeah, it's not funny. You know? yeah, I mean, right. yeah. it was it, <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> you know, they, Kraft and him are on two different points on that. And right. It was just kind of a very strange uh, that went forward when, when when people were asking him questions. You know, and we've learned a lot more about what happened these last few years by some of these reports that have come out that it seems like the crafts really did have a hand in Mac Jones, right. in, in personnel decisions, um, in pissing off Bill Belichick. You know, <laughs> I mean, like, there seemed to be some, some stuff like that, that that went forward and happened. And, you know, as much as all the players are excited that Gerard is the new head coach and, you know, it's going to be very interesting going forward. The fact that they did not even entertain a Mike Rabel or a Jim Harbaugh yeah. concerns me. Uh, me too. It, it yeah. really concerns me. Yeah. I, get, I, get that, I get that Kraft wanted to do this internally, and he wanted to breed somebody, you know, to be the next head coach and learn under Bill and do those things, but but it'd be a little different. But you have to at least entertain people that are – much more experienced, and they're going to give you the best chance to win long-term. Right. Um, and does Gerard do that? I don't know. We're going to see. It sounds like Elliot Wolf is going to stay in as as personnel director and, and run the draft, and who actually is going to run it. We don't know anything about the structure. We no. know nothing. Right. And, and that's what is so frustrating about about all this is, you know, I feel like we're just left in the dark as, as fans and as, and as people as to how the, the Patriots are actually – you know, who who's to blame and who gets the credit, you know? 
Well, and this is, you know, to not have that ideal. I mean, look, I know we still have a little, we got time before the draft. I get that. But this is a very important draft for the Patriots. It's huge, you know, and, you know, you got to think that quarterback is the number one thing they go look at, or is it, you know, but we, we don't really know. Yeah, we're going to find out. I mean, we're going to find out. Mac Jones being at the press conference kind of was very interesting yep. that he was there. Yep. Um, so, you know, who knows? I mean, do they look at it as the quarterback position as, hey, we just need to bring somebody in here that believes in Mac Jones, kind of like how Mike McDaniel believed in Tua. But, again, we had the same conversation about Tua that, you know, is he going to take you to the promised land? Right. You know, is he going to get you all the way there? Like, you know, they might be better. They might compete. But can he get you all the way there? And I, I don't know. Uh, if I, if it's me right now, I do think that just on the value alone, you, you do need to address the quarterback issue. You, yeah. you definitely do. And you also need to address the offensive line. So whether they do that free agency and the draft, I, I think the draft is probably the best place, at least at this point, to, to go forward with a quarterback. And um, But we'll see. We'll see what the organization feels. I just I, I'm very skeptical to start. We We talked about this a little bit last week, and you floated out the idea of maybe maybe not taking a quarterback first. Maybe, you know, know, where do you fall on that now? Are you still thinking that they can can afford to do that and address, you know, an offensive lineman or something like that early in the draft? Yeah, I think it's just going to depend on how much – they're willing to spend on what position, you know, if they're willing to spend on quarterback, fine. Then, then, then we could talk about that. If they're willing to spend an offensive line, we could talk about that, but they haven't been willing to spend on offense at all. So, you know, I, I, what is the new direction or if there is a new direction uh, on, on that front in terms of cap and, and cash spent and all those things is one of the lowest in the league. And, but again, you can manipulate the cap of what you want to do if you want the team you want. And right. I think that, Kraft, is he still clutching onto the idea of Mac Jones and that he didn't get a fair shake and this, that, and the other? I would probably lean that way, yes, but I, I still don't know. So I would like to see them get a quarterback, a dynamic player, but if the quarterback is not going to have the investment of the offensive line with that, then what are we doing? Right. Then you might as well throw Mac Jones out there, let him get beat up again. Uh, right. If, if uh, with the announcement, of course, Caleb Williams officially announced that, that he's going to be in the draft. Where are you still? Who do you still think is the number one quarterback in this draft? Is it Williams? I, I just look at Williams, and I'm going to take the personal stuff out for okay. a second. Let's just look at talent. Yep. Guy's six one, two hundred and fifteen pounds. Uh, and he can he can make unbelievable off platform throws. Uh, he did turn the ball over a little more than usual this year, but in terms of just pure ability with on-time rhythm passing, strength of the arm, deep balls, everything you want in a quarterback, talent-wise, he's got it. So from the talent perspective, I actually don't think it's it's that close. I do think that Caleb Williams is number one. Okay. When you look at the other two, the the, the other guy, Drake May, you've got. You've got a big guy. I mean, Drake May is six four and two hundred and forty pounds almost. I mean, right. he's big. Yep. Uh, and and he can and he can run too. I mean, he's athletic. He's got a great ball. He didn't have a good year this year. I thought he was a little careless with the ball, turnover prone. 
Patriots to go with. Um, but if the new regime is in place, and if I had my pick at number three, Jaden Daniels would be my guy, man. Really? I, I just think he would. I think he is absolutely electric with his legs. He is the most accurate quarterback. He's something he has to learn, but Lamar Jackson did too. He is as fast as Lamar Jackson. You know, you say Williams is is kind of the guy, but really we don't even know who's going to be available. Usually it's kind of a slam dunk who's going to be the number one pick, but we're not going to really know anything until the Chicago Bears make up their mind what they're going to do with Fields, right? Correct. Yeah. So Fields, Fields is the is really the the whole thing that, that starts the domino pieces, you know. So if they can move Fields, uh, which I think it's probably likely that they will, you do. Um, okay. That, then, then I think that I think that they'll go Williams at, at number one. Even though there are rumors that are saying that he doesn't want to play for them, I don't know how true those are. But you know, that's the way it goes. Yeah, I did actually. I did see something about that, saying basically saying could uh, could Fields try to pull an Eli Manning power move and uh, and make sure he doesn't end up with the Chicago Bears because. Uh, you know, Eli Manning mm-hmm. is a curse word because I was a Charger fan at the time. So Eli Manning was a curse word in my house. Now, look, it turned out okay for the Chargers in in the long run. You know what I mean? But and maybe it would turn out okay. But I, to me, I I don't. I've seen it happen in baseball and in football, and I just I hate that. I just and it. You know what? To me, it speaks to the player's character when you do something like that. I hundred percent agree with that. And and you know, I think a, a bigger point too is is that. You know, people get all hung up about these number one and number two. There's a consensus two or consensus one and two. You know, remember that draft? It was Philip Rivers and Eli Manning. Right. Ben Roethlisberger also got drafted later in that draft. He was like the fringe three, you know. Yeah. We remember We remember it was Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen and Sam Darnold and, you know, those guys. Well, people, Lamar Jackson got drafted like fifth. Well, Good point. You know, and yeah. he was on the fringe, and people was so maybe there is a guy out there that you know you draft later on, and this is a strategy more to the Patriots than anything else. Right? Maybe there's a guy later down the line that you say, okay, you know, we'll let them take those first two guys. We'll evaluate Jaden Daniels and Michael Penix and JJ McCarthy and Bo Nix and all those guys, and maybe one of them is right the fringe guy that, that works out. You well, know, you, you know, never know. Look at I mean, look at you. You didn't think CJ Stroud was going to be that great, right? I did not. I did not. <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll segue right into that into last week's game. And uh, Stroud was perfect. I mean, it, you don't get any more perfect than he was. And uh, again, nothing faces this kid at all. And it's that's the one thing to me that I have taken away from the entire season. I mean, it's just it, the, Joe Flacco is. <laughs> I was. I was. I'm kind of comparing it to him because Joe Flacco. When you watch him, you wouldn't know whether he threw an interception or an 80-yard touchdown, right? He's about as stoic <laughs> as it gets. But C.J. Stroud is on the sideline, and he is as animated as it comes. He's always smiling and looks like he is having the time of his life. And it's almost one of those cases where he's too young and too stupid to know that he's supposed to be nervous. Yeah, well, I think he's just focused. I think he's so mature. Like, you could see it in the way he talks about him, uh, about football and his teammates. And, you know, he's always soaking up and learning and you know to me in that game i give i give the huge credit huge credit the the biggest part of that game was the texans offensive line right 
I mean, I, I thought they pass protected out. Laramie Tunsil went out of the game for a second, came back in. Uh, they had to replace their right tackle. Was was old George Fant came in there to replace <laughs> yep. the right tackle. Yep. And God bless him, he didn't give up a sack, didn't give up a pressure. Right. I mean, that offensive line for for how good a pass rush with Zadarius Smith and Miles Garrett and and all the guys they have there uh, for the Browns, that offensive line stood tall for C.J. Stroud and helped him deliver a lot of good balls. And Nico Collins was great too again. So you know I, this this Texans team, man, they're they're a feisty group. There's yeah. no question. They're young. Like you said, they're too stupid to know. You know, too young and stupid to know that they're not supposed to be doing this, and here they are. Well, the other thing that impressed me last week, it was, you know, the the Houston defense. I mean, they, uh, not just the, the pressures they got on Flacco, but their run defense. When the, when that game was still close early, you know, in the first half, Cleveland still couldn't run the ball at all. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I was very impressed with the Houston defense. Yeah, it was a good performance by the defense, and I think D'Amico Ryan still deserves a lot of credit. He knew what was coming. And, you know, Flacco has a lot of limitations on his game. Like, there's only so many things he's right. going to do. Right. So when you shut down that run game, I mean, he's done. you yeah. put it on his shoulders. They did a great job. Yeah, yeah. because when the when the play action is no longer an option, Flacco's, Flacco's got a little bit more, uh, a little bit more difficulty. Um, look, you knew going into that Kansas City-Miami game with the temperatures the way they were going to be, Miami being that warm-weather <laughs> team, you've got a quarterback from Hawaii, for God's sake, I mean, you knew that the Dolphins had no chance going into this game. But to me, the that game in a nutshell was the photo I saw on the Associated Press of Patrick Mahomes' helmet literally breaking. I mean, that was unbelievable. You want to see cold? There you go. That was that was just absolutely ridiculous. But that the Miami offense just it's just oh my god I don't even know what to say it was just gross it was gross but you kind of expected it that's football that's football snapping people's helmets and cracking people's (laughs) helmets and zero degree weather and playing on concrete that's so easy when you're playing in 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 room temperature Miami you know on a little grass field out there um yeah I mean it, did you ever see a team not want to play in a certain condition? No, that life? was it. Was I it mean, was, yeah. It, it, yeah, it was. It was like they they didn't want to tackle. No, they didn't want to tackle. That was a big thing. Right. They didn't want to hit them. No. I mean, Tua, you could see Tua did not want to take the snaps. He didn't want to take the snaps with his left hand. Right. Because it was too cold. Right. You could see it. there was a snap that went to the right. Yeah. He pulls his. Or a snap that goes to the left. He pulls his right hand over his left hand to get to catch it with his right, right. because he doesn't want to hit it with his left. I mean, it was it was sad. Yeah. It was sad. And like you could see it in the pregame, they're trying to hype him up. Like, yeah, look at these dolphins. They're not out there in sleeves and whatever. And, yeah, um, you know, they're well, embracing yeah. the cold. Yeah. And then you look at Tyree Kill, and Tyree Kill is like, somebody get me a coat. You know, like right on the sideline. <laughs> so you know, I, to me, that's what killed the dolphins. It's, yeah. They don't have a lot of. They, they didn't have a lot of healthy players. They couldn't even right. get to Mahomes. Right. They had no pass rush. Yep. Um, they just ran out of players, and they and they, unfortunately, that Bills game 
at the end of the season cost them tremendously yeah. because they would have been playing at home, home instead right. of going to Kansas City. Yeah, and I don't know if the I don't know that the the result would have been different. Although I suspect it would not. They would have scored more than seven points. That's you know. I mean, I think you could take that to the bank. But uh, that was just the, probably the most predictable game of the weekend. Uh, this one was not. What the Green Bay Packers did to the Dallas Cowboys was one of the most <laughs> incredible things I have ever seen. Twenty to nothing before you blink, and then a pick six, and twenty-seven to nothing. And I'm thinking I'm in the twilight zone, um, you know. And look, Aaron Jones when he's healthy, he is a beast, and it doesn't. You know, he's from El Paso. I mean, it's a, you know, it's still several hours away from Dallas, but he's from El Paso. He's a Texas guy. He had a lot of people in the stands, and man, it looked like he was having the time of his life. Uh, we talked about this. I know I picked Dallas on the show, but I did mention one thing, Gene. I said, we will know in the first quarter you whether did. this will be a game or yes, not. Yes, you did. You did. Uh, and, and I said, if Green Bay grabs the ball and they punch Dallas right in the mouth, game on. Here we go. Yeah. And what happens? They hit them right square between the eyes and knocked them out. Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. They, they had the, <laughs> the first couple plays. They were able to run the ball with Jones. They have consistently, how many times did Love from that little play-action pass and then just step back a little bit and, and sling it down the middle of the field to Romeo Dobbs right, right on the star? I mean, right. it, was, it was incredible what they were doing. And, and they made so many great plays, and Love was fantastic again. Um, but Aaron Jones, to me, man, I mean, that, that hacker O-line, their defense is playing so much better. They took Pollard out of the game and made, made Dallas one-dimensional, and you could just see the tension in that building was percolating right from when the Packers were inside the red zone right on the first drive. I mean, it was like, oh, my gosh. And you, and, and you could feel everybody in the stadium kind of heart sinking and be like, okay, we got to calm down here. And then they get a three and out, and it's like, oh, boy. this is And it just kept rolling yep. and rolling and rolling until, man, I mean, is there a more disappointing team from this season than the Dallas Cowboys and all the breaks that they got and all the winning that they did. And they couldn't even make it out of a wild card round. Yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, but you look at, you know, that first drive, 12 plays, 75 yards. They kept the ball for eight minutes, Green Bay did, right? And then in the third quarter, they had another drive. Mm -hmm. They went 93 yards, kept the ball for another six minutes. I mean, it was just Dallas never – their defense was gassed by halftime. They had nothing left. Emasculated. Yeah, I mean, it really was. And now, Emasculated is the word, you know. Yeah, and Dallas gets a couple of consolation touchdowns, which meant absolutely nothing, made the score look a little a little better. But, man, that was impressive. And, again, you know, this Packer team, and, I, look, we, we mentioned, you know, too stupid to know better. Well, this is the epitome of that. They got half of the starting offense, I mean, is first- or second-year players. You know, these guys just don't know they're not supposed to be doing this. And Now, look. I don't think they're going to do it again this week, but it's just insane how young that team is and how successful uh, they've been. It's just nuts, absolutely nuts. Can we give Can we give some credit to Matt Lafleur, who yeah. I've made fun of a yeah. lot yeah. In, the, in the past? Yep, he has absolutely shown his mettle as a head coach. Yep. Now that Aaron Rodgers is gone, he's he has definitely earned my respect. Yeah, he was he was uh, he's really done a great job there. Um, that. Detroit Rams game, 
I expected more points, to be honest with you. It wasn't as high scoring as I thought it was going to be. We had it. We had the over. We had the over, and we got 38 points in the first half, and we still didn't get it. No, I was like, are you nuts. kidding me? Yeah. And, killed me. And, you know, look, at the, at the end of the day, the Rams had to go home feeling they should have won this game. They couldn't. Mm. They couldn't complete a pass in the red zone. Every time they got down there, it was incomplete pass after incomplete pass after incomplete yeah. pass. If they if they're more efficient in the red zone, they win this game. I mean, because they really. Yeah. At the end of the day, I thought they outplayed the Lions. I, I think so too. I think Goff played well. Let's, let's. He did. You know, they couldn't cover. They couldn't cover St. Brown. That was a major problem for the Rams. Right. But in the second half, they really stepped up that Rams defense and started changing some things schematically to really take away the big play for Detroit. And it just didn't come to life uh, for the for the Rams offense either, though. Like, they kind of hit a wall, and Nakua was outstanding. Oh. But I think Cup, Cup, Cup looks like he is hurt. Cup looks yeah. like he is, he is so, continuous. That right. knee yeah. has not gotten better. Yep. And I think if they had had him at full strength, I think maybe maybe they have one more extra play in there for him. Yep. But Nakua, I mean, he is incredible. I mean, yep. that's a isn't that a guy that you would see Tom Brady use on the Patriots oh. and just he would just turn into a superstar. Yeah. Like he's just he would be incredible. And and let's let's also say this: Matt Stafford taking that hit and staying in the game. Yep. I mean. Holy crap! Onions. Is that guy tough? Onions. And, and yep. he—he's just—he's the type of guy you want. I mean, he's yeah. the type of guy you want in your football team. But you know, you look at the—you know—the Rams. Those three drives where they had to settle for field goals. Eleven plays, sixty-nine mm. yards. Right. Eleven plays, sixty-nine yards. And then the next one, I think, was ten plays, sixty-six yards. Thirteen plays, seventy-nine yards. And you come away with a total of nine points after holding the ball a combined eighteen minutes in those drives. That's you. I mean, that's just that. That's where if you if if you're the coach, you go home and you go, how the hell did we lose that game? The Lions, the Lions pressure, man. The Lions' ability to get after Stafford and the and the the their man to man defense was really good. Yeah. I mean, it was really good in the second half. And and give them credit, they scratched and clawed and fought their way because they did it for that city. I don't think anybody would have accepted. Walking out of that building Agreed. without a play. Like, they needed it. Agreed. They needed it. And they, they, it was amazing. We didn't even talk about it. That was the first time those two teams had met in the playoffs since 1952. Wow. It was, like, incredible. Incredible. Wow. So, congratulations to Detroit. They broke the 30-year curse. And uh, they even get a home game. Yeah. Now it's like incredible. That? Yeah, so, good for them. Um, the Bills win. And you talked about you thought you know the Pittsburgh offense really kind of didn't show up, and uh, but I think the difference in this game was we saw the good Josh Allen. We saw the Josh Allen that doesn't turn the ball the over. The ridiculous Josh Allen. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, he three touchdown passes, doesn't turn it over. He runs, what, he runs for like 75 yards or something like that. And, I mean, but that was the Josh Allen of a couple of years ago where you couldn't stop the dude. And, you know, this year he's been Jekyll and Hyde, and uh, he, was, he, was, uh, he was the good Josh Allen this week, and that was the difference in this game, period, the end. Yeah, and I'd like to just say one thing, and I have to just swallow my pride a little bit here. Okay. Uh, to me, I think Josh Allen's the best quarterback we have right now this year in in, in the NFL. For this season, 
I think Josh Allen's the best quarterback I've seen play football. Just from from he had a up, he had a down part of his season. That's true, but nobody lifts their team up more than Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And I think that you you look at the turnovers. Yes, he has a lot of turnovers. Those turnovers really end up kind of being inconsequential. They're more like punts right. than turnovers. Right. They don't really hurt his team that much. And for the amount of times he scores, I mean, you got to be kidding me. I mean, that, yeah. that run was ridiculous. <laughs> what was he it 50 did yards? For a guy that big. Holy cow. Yeah. I mean, have you ever seen a guy that big, no. a quarterback, no. move like that? I mean, uh, not since Cam Newton. Right. Not since Cam Newton. And it, it's it's been a while. So, I don't even know if Cam Newton moves like that. I mean, that was that was really great. And, and so his the plays he makes on the run, the last second throws that are completed, like yep. it's it's really remarkable. And and we got to give credit. Josh Allen to me is 2023's best quarterback. We'll uh, we'll make this this one brief because we've already touched on it. But uh, the Baker Mayfield redemption tour continued. And look, you know, say what you want about Baker Mayfield, but you got to tip your cap to this kid because. He wasn't healthy last week, right? And uh, this is a guy that, you know, after getting let go by the Carolina Panthers, you know things are really going bad. But there was an interesting comment he made last week when he was talking about getting his, his, I don't know if it was his swagger, or basically getting his attitude back that he had when he was in college. And he said because when he came in the NFL, he was told he needed to tamp that down. And he gave credit to Sean McVay, when he went to the Rams last year, McVay basically said to him, what do you care? Just be yourself. And he said that that really was the thing that kind of turned him around, and he thinks that's what made him better this year. Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I do agree. You can see Baker's having fun again. Yeah. Baker's swag is back again. You know, he's planting flags. Yeah. You know, he planted that flag in college, and – now he's hoisting the Jolly Roger again here, you know. And so, I, you know, I, I love uh, I, I love seeing that from him, you know, because he is a guy that's going to go to war for you. He's kind of got that Phil Simms kind of small quarterback, edgy guy yeah. that is going to rip balls, you know. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and you know, I, I, you have to appreciate that, and you have to appreciate the fact that the Bucks man just had a plan. They just had a plan. Like, they went after – they went after Hertz. They blitzed him like crazy. Hertz had no time to throw. AJ Brown not being out there was tough for them. Hurt, yep. Their defense stepped up, and ba- and Baker really, man. I mean, Baker was was sensational the way he was able to perform. The Eagles had no answer. So, questions for the Eagles going forward. But I mean, the, the Lions are already talking crap about Baker Mayfield in their press conferences, and, and and I would not. I mean, you you could say what you want. I actually think. We'll get into it later. I think the Bucks actually have a pretty good matchup here against the Lions. Well, let's uh, let's get into the games this week, and I'm just praying to all that is holy that these four games are better than what we saw last week because I can't take it. This is the best week of this is the best weekend of the year. It's the best weekend of the year. It's the final eight. It's it's the best bang for your buck week. You're going to see eight really good teams play against each other in good games. I think they'll be good games uh, for the most part. I think maybe one. I, I'm not so sure. But I really like this week in this slate because you're seeing young quarterbacks and you're seeing the best quarterbacks as well in the league. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at the round of the board. I mean, you're seeing guys that are redemption stories. Right. And then you're seeing the rookie and then you're seeing 
you know, the best guys in the business. So it's, it's a really good smattering of teams here. Well, let's start off on Saturday afternoon, the 4.30 game. If you had told me that the Houston Texans would be one of the best eight teams in the NFL at the start of the season, I would ask for some of what you were smoking. And yet here we are, <laughs> and, but they are going to have their hands full in Baltimore this weekend. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough. Um, you know, I, I, as good as the Texans have been, they are a one-dimensional offense. Their right. their, their early down rushing game is just not there, um, and and the Ravens will exploit that. I think the Ravens are more athletic in the back end than the Browns are. I think Kyle Hamilton and Marlon Humphrey, if he plays, um, is is going to be is going to be tough to deal with. But I think the up front, the the Ravens are just too deep. They're just too deep up front, and you know, as good as the offensive line too has been for Houston. It's kind of predictable. The, the the blitz is not going to come from from the Ravens. They get a lot of pressure without blitzing. Yep. I think that's going to cause Stroud a little bit of problems. And I just think I know Lamar historically hasn't been great in this spot. It's time to prove it. You know, people see as the MVP. People right. see as all this great player. Well, guess what? You know, now is your time to really go after. This is what you've been saying since you got drafted. Is they're going to get a ring out of me? He walked on that stage and said that to prime time Sanders right. when they interviewed him. Well, and go not- get it. Not only this that, is your time now. I think you will. Well, and and you got paid, so now it's time to back and up. You got paid, right? So now it's time to back it up after you got paid because they they believe you. That's a big number though, nine and a half. So I, I assume you mean Baltimore will win. Uh, any chance Houston covers that? You know, actually, this is one of my one of my favorite plays. I'm a little skeptical of it just because of the Ravens and historically, but teams that come out of the dome and come play in sub thirty degree temperatures, yeah. Do not fare very well in, so. in these conditions. Yep. It's going to be it's going to be rainy. It's going to be wet. Uh, I actually really like the Ravens here, and I like them big. I think they win by maybe two touchdowns. Okay. Uh, the second game on Sunday, the eight fifteen game, also a big number. Green Bay is a nine and a half dog at San Francisco. I mean, you talk about offense. This game is going to be filled with it. I mean, right. these are two of the best offenses right now in football. The 49ers have been for the entire season. Purdy has been an MVP candidate. McCaffrey's healthy. Um, but then you look at the other side and you say, Jordan Love is playing better than anybody. Yeah, maybe outside of Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, Jordan Love's playing better than anybody uh, in terms of quarterbacks in the last, you know, six weeks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what do you say about that? You know, it comes down to defense, yes. I think the Packers haven't been great defensively, yes, but they've played a lot better the last few weeks. The 49ers, we know, have a good defense. However, you look at them rushing-wise and at home, they have really not been very good against the run, and they haven't been very good at home as a defense. Uh, so this, is, I think, is going to be a pretty close game here. The 49ers, as I said, super angry team. Kyle Shanahan's been on a mission all year. But, Gene, a couple years ago, you told me I was crazy to pick the, the 49ers to upset the Packers in Lambeau. Yeah. And he said that was not going to happen. Right. So why don't we do the reverse? No, here? Let's no. take the Packers to upset San Francisco wow. in a kind of revenge spot because I'll tell you, I'll give you a little stat here. You know, teams that have lost in week 18 and had the bye in the divisional round uh, are 3-15 and 15 against the spread. Whoa. Uh, and that happened to the 49ers. Wow. Um, and you talk about other teams, teams in the divisional round that did not make the playoffs the year before uh, and are on the road. They are 27 and 13 against the spread. Hmm. So that's just against the spread, I'm sure. 
But if San Francisco, who has not been good in the first half of games, right. they have slow starts, they have the last few weeks, right. so if they have a bad start, bang, what did we see last week? Green Bay came out and punched Dallas in the mouth. Right. San Francisco, we know, does not really built to come back in the fourth quarter. So, you know, I think Green Bay's just got to get to the fourth quarter with a lead and then just start chipping away and chipping away and chipping away. I think it's possible, and I think they're going to do it. I'm going to take the Packers to win this game. So one of the most important things might be the opening coin flip. San Francisco needs to win the flip and score first. They need to go right down the field. They have been – remember, they, they got knocked out. They got destroyed by the Ravens. Yep. They come back and play Washington. That game was close. It was 10-10 for a while. Right. And then they ran away with it in the fourth quarter. And then they really hadn't played a game. They didn't play against the Rams. They ended up losing that game with all backups. You know, rust is real in that situation. I think the Ravens are prepared for it. I'm not so certain about San Francisco, especially with the team they're playing. I think it could be dangerous. Right. Um, well, we. I guess that did I, – I, I, I'm just wondering. I just I'm wondering if the time off is also going to factor me because essentially, right the the, the 49ers big names all had the last two weeks off. Right, they took off week 18, then they had the bye week. So, uh, you know, if you're a Christian McCaffrey who's been dealing with uh, you know some bumps and bruises, uh, having those couple of extra weeks can't be a bad thing. No, it can't be a bad thing. I would say that. And and the one thing that does worry me about my pick, I'll say Eric Armstead has been out for the 49ers. He's he's maybe the best defensive lineman in terms of run stopping. Right. Uh, he'll be back in this game. So okay. if he can stifle Aaron Jones, who's had 110 yards or more in four straight games, right. that could be a problem for the Packers. But I think the Packers O line is ready for this. I think they're gonna be they're gonna be fierce in the run game and I think their their pass blocking is gonna be good enough to get those guys, those those younger guys open. You can throw on San Francisco if you have the time to do it. Okay. All right, we go to Sunday, uh, the 3 o'clock game on Sunday, and uh, you were uh, talking about Detroit, talking smack about Baker Mayfield. The Bucks are a six-and-a-half-point dog in Detroit. Yeah, like I said, I, I do think that this is a good matchup for Tampa. I think, like, Detroit is, is really good against the run. They're really good against the run. I think they're sixth in the league in terms of the analytics uh, against the run. Uh, but Tampa just doesn't run the football. They have the, tw- right. they have the 23rd most rush attempts in the league. You know, And Detroit, if you look at them, they've seen the third least amount of rush attempts in the league. So this is going to be about Baker throwing the football. Uh, you know, and, and can they get it down the field for him? I think they got to get him out of the pocket, run and play action. I think they didn't do enough of that in the first game. Um, avoid those tipped balls that they got in the first game when they played them back in week five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Detroit was able to do that. And Mike Evans has to have a big game here. He had four catches on 49 yards, but he had 10 targets. Right. A couple of those were drops in that game. He needs to step up in this game. But to me, as much as I want to pick the Bucks to win this game, I do think Detroit has enough to at least win it. I think it'll be a close game. Um, but I, I do see Detroit coming out. And I just don't see how... I don't see really where the Bucks defense is going to be able to stop this attack. I think Goff has been a lot better against the Blitz over the last eight weeks, and I think they're going to want to blitz him. I don't think that's the right strategy. So I'm going to take the Lions to get a win here uh, and move on to the NFC title game. Uh, the last game, the game of the weekend, in my opinion, the Kansas City Chiefs on the road at Buffalo. Um Patrick Mahomes has never lost a divisional playoff game, but then again, Patrick Mahomes has never played a divisional playoff game away from Arrowhead. 
these two teams have mm. they, these two teams are no stranger to each other. Uh, this one should be a lot of fun. It should be great. It'll be high drama. Tony Romo will just be screaming the entire oh, time. Uh, but I can tell you, Gene, Buffalo's gotten the best of Kansas City this year. They got them last year again. They beat them. But what really matters, that's those 13 seconds. The Bills have never been the same. Uh, and that's those 13 seconds, I think, still haunt them. And this is a chance for redemption. Now Josh Allen gets them at home in this game. It's going to be difficult. Obviously, I think that Chiefs defense is maybe the best defense that Buffalo will see Mm -hmm. uh, going forward. Um, I I, got to tell you, Gene, I just, as crazy as it sounds, I just don't trust the Chiefs offensively. I just don't. I mean, I I think that that at least at this point in the season, I know that sounds nuts, Mm -hmm. but, you know, we got to remember, yes, they did a great job against Miami. They could have had a lot more. Yep. They could have had a lot more in that yep. game. And, and remember, they also, this is a couple of weeks removed from them getting cracked by the Raiders at home and, you know, all this stuff. They didn't play anybody the last week of the season. Um, I just think that Josh Allen, this is his time. This is his time. And we're set up for really just an absolute, absolutely unbelievable game between Baltimore and Buffalo next week because I think Buffalo will win and they'll exercise those demons and they'll finally they'll finally put that to bed and and maybe for one year at least the Chiefs dynasty takes a little bit of a you know chink in the armor. No, I was just thinking that you know you were mentioning Buffalo and Baltimore next week if it if it shakes out. I'm just thinking that I wonder if there's anybody on earth that had two teams from the old black and blue division playing against each other for the NFC championship. Did anybody, I mean, do you think anybody had green Bay and Detroit playing against each other? That would be unbelievable. Wouldn't it? And think about this team. Think about this green Bay, their first game that they really ever did that whole thing where they came right out, throwing the football, running the football down the throat and they're scoring on the first drive. Yeah. The first time they did that, was Thanksgiving Day in Detroit. They went in and destroyed the Lions. I remember that. Yeah. So yeah. let's let's not be. Is it crazy? Oh. Is it crazy if Green Bay all of a sudden is the team that loses their quarterback, their 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 four time MVP, and everybody oh. thinks they're going to take the step up, the drop off, and they're in the Super Bowl the very next year? Wouldn't that be something? And Aaron Rodgers is at home. Resting his knee on a couch in New York. Eating his liver. I mean, that would be incredible. <laughs> that, that, that would be so. I mean, that would be the coaching job or the coaching, you know, performance of a lifetime if Lafleur actually gets that team to the Super Bowl. But we got to get through this weekend first. But man, that that would be that would be some fun drama if that indeed does happen. I'd, I'd like to see it because I also love I I love Detroit's coach. He's so much fun to watch. He has no filter. He's great. Yeah, he's he's my, he is fantastic. But that. But historically, man, I'm telling you, if Green Bay gets past them, gets past San Francisco, historically Green Bay is on the line. So oh, don't be surprised. That would be something to watch. Well, Dan, listen, thanks for uh, doing this. And, uh, again, let's hope that these four games are way better than what we saw last weekend, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Of course, Gene. God bless, and here we go. We're down the stretch. You want the Super Bowl? Come and get it because you got two more games to do it. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. 
That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We'll be able to break down uh, the weekend's NFL games. We're going to be closer to the uh, Hall of Fame announcement. I'm looking forward to that. Pitchers and catchers for baseball less than a month away. Uh, We're going to have wind chills here uh, below zero today here in the mountains of western North Carolina. Temperatures dipping down into single digits tonight. But all I can think about is baseball less than a month away. We're going to leave you this morning with some music from Dolly Parton. It is her 78th birthday today. This is one of her old hits. This is called Code of Many Colors. We'll see you on Monday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.